CJ Stander is heading back to South Africa. Do you think he's going to be snapped up as well by the Springboks? I know. Do you know what? I thought about that straight away. And when you mentioned he had a daughter, I was like, oh, this could be really, really helpful. This week's episode of Girls With Golds is brought to you by Sport Ireland. For the next few weeks, we're celebrating some of Ireland's most influential women in sport and getting the message out there about participation, leadership and visibility. Hello and welcome to Girls With Goals. For the next few weeks, we've teamed up with Sport Ireland. We're going to be profiling some incredible women and getting the message out there about participation, about leadership, visibility, and much more as well. If you missed last week's episode, do please go back and take a listen. We were chatting with Nora Stapleton and it was massively informative. This week, I'm absolutely thrilled to welcome Lynn Cantwell to the show. Lynn is the most capped Irish women's rugby player of all time. She She's also a Sport Ireland Executive Board and High Performance Board member, as well as being Chair of Sport Ireland's Women in Sport Committee. Lynn has also recently been snapped up by the Springboks. She's been named South Africa's High Performance Manager for the Women's Game. Lynn, thank you so much for joining us. We're absolutely thrilled to talk to you. Welcome to the show. My pleasure. So we're going to talk a little bit uh, about leadership and participation when it comes to women in sport. But just for any of our audience who maybe don't know all about your career highlights, like I just listed off there, could we go back a little bit and maybe talk about how you got into sport in the first place and how your own love affair with the game began? Um, yeah, look, that's it's a, it's a great question. I was, um, I started... Um, my career in sport, I suppose, like completely amateur, and I've always been been an amateur player, even though you kind of commit professionally. Um, I drew athletics, so I was uh, I went to Rotterdam Primary School, and I was fast, and used to win races in our sports days. And my mom and dad recognised that, and they brought me into Fingalians Athletic Club in in Swords, um, where I, I I stayed for kind of ten, eleven. 12 years until I, I went to university and it was only in university in Limerick that I that I took up rugby and I think that the reason why that that 10 years is significant from an athletics point of view is is because I, I just had such a wonderful experience as a as a kid as a teenager in a sport that allowed me to refine and understand and grow as grow strong and fast as an athlete which enabled me to kind of choose any sport and I'm not saying choose any sport and the sport that I went into was rugby but I found when I when I got into rugby that I was I, I, I was very capable of of taking up the game because I was just really really strong and robust and I and I think from an endurance point of view that that stood to me throughout my whole career I you know I never got injured but from a physical point of view, that's what athletics enabled me to do. Um, but I think from a from a personal point of view, reflecting back on what I know now about what's what's what are important factors for teenagers and what are important factors for sports to, sports to create in their environment for kids, for girls and boys, was it just such a wonderful, gorgeous environment whereby I was welcome, I was safe. I was coached by two wonderful volunteer coaches, Joey Evans. I remember at one stage looking at Joey and my dad when I was about 14 because you spend so much time with your coach and looking at them both and going like, who do I love more? You know, that's kind of the impact that we had. And we just had such a lovely, friendly group. You know, I had exposure to all different training environments from, you know, pitches in the back of Fingalians and to muddy hills that we used to have run up on a Sunday in Column Kills and then up to Stantry Sports Stadium up in Morton Stadium where I got to train with Olympians and Paralympians and 
Um, Catherine Waltz was Catherine Waltz was one of our Paralympians within our club, so I think I got a really good exposure to loads of different types of of kind of people and and um, and, and abilities within athletics, which allowed me then to to kind of gain the insights that I think I I have I have now from a women in sport point of view to realise what's important for for teenagers and the environment that we create for teenagers. And then, as I said, moved into UL, uh, played rugby in UL, and was just lucky enough to. To, to find rugby in, in Limerick where it's it's a very neutral county when it comes to rugby and just open doors for anybody to play so it was great for a women's rugby player to start there Absolutely and I mean I you kind of touched on it there just a few uh, women I suppose that you kind of looked up to and that you encountered early on in your career that had an impact on you because I do want to speak a little bit about leadership and governance when it comes to the game um, but when you moved into rugby I suppose was it love at first sight? I mean the, do you remember the very first time that you played the game? I mean obviously going from athletics you spoke about how you had your strength and obviously you were a strong athlete at that time but did you have an impression of rugby before you entered it and what was that and then what was the actual game in comparison to any impressions that you had prior yeah look I think this is a really good topic because I think we need to recognize um that a lot of women the emergence of women in sport is is kind of now and 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 only an emerging topic I suppose for the last kind of 10-15 years so a lot of people are coming to some sports later um and as a result that impression and that that environment that a sport creates to welcome women into it, anybody new into it. And I say women, but we're talking about people with disabilities, different ethnic minorities, different religions. You know, that's the reality of our society now. So what does our sports and what do all of our sectors do to create an inclusive environment that welcomes people in? Does it a different cohort to um, to, to previously what, what they represent and what they kind of plan for? So I think from a rugby point of view, as I said, what I loved is that there was just that inclusive environment. And um, I love what in UL particularly that it's just all performance based. It's just your sports person trying to be really good at that sport. So I think that's a really important thing. And I think for me, I was I was fast and the game was tens in, in university. So there's lots of space to just score tries. So that's really quite nice. Um, but at the same time, I remember been terrible in lots of ways I didn't know the rules of the game and that had to be coached so I think my experience in in UL we had a great coach Rowan West was a Kiwi and then Ian Costello who's now the Wasps men's coach and he was our UL Bows coach at the time And and I think coaching is a really key component to women's sports because I think often we're coming to the sports a little bit later maybe in your adulthood or if you're a young girl starting off we have to recognize that the the, the teams and the platforms aren't there and therefore having coaching in those roles and good technical and tactical coaching in those roles is, is really important to try and accelerate the learning for, for girls um, at whatever access point they come in to allow them the best opportunity to to learn the sport in a quicker space of time um, in order for them to be able to perform. So kind of, they were all kind of my insights that I picked up picked up along the way. Absolutely. It's so it's really insightful to kind of hear you talk about that because what you're doing is you're taking your experiences, but then I suppose talking about creating those pathways earlier, maybe for for women and young girls who want to get into a sport, because, you know, I've interviewed a lot of elite athletes and 
you know, for women in sport, that phrase, you know, it usually is the elite athletes that are getting the headlines, that are getting the write-ups, that are getting the coverage. And, you know, I think the important thing and one of the important messages for Sport Ireland and what they want to get across as well is that it's not just about the elite athletes. You know, you don't have to become a Lynn Cantwell who has 86 caps or a Katie Taylor. You know, like you can just play sport for, like you said, the community and for the great experiences and the people that you meet along the way. Hmm, yeah, definitely. Look, I, I think there's a huge piece that we all, I think sport has to engage in this process as well as women's sport. And we have to redefine what success looks like. Success can look like performance and winning and at, at, you know, at podium events, etc. But it can also look like providing an environment where girls and boys and men and women come into a sport, have a wonderful experience and as a result want to stay in the sport and be, and be lifelong members of that sport and, and be that they contribute to coaching, refereeing, administration, media, research, for example. All of those things are, there's so much and that is a success in my mind as well as what we, we see um, from, a, from a player point of view and a performance point of view. So I think that's a, a really key piece and yes, you know, what, what you mentioned there about we're hearing the stories about elite athletes. And I think what we'll find in the future is that we'll have more stories of elite athletes whereby they come through an academy structure or, you know, they represented Ireland at an under 16s or 18s levels. And that has graduated to um, to senior level, whereas at the moment we're getting more stories of the Kelly Harringtons or Dervil O'Rourke's whereby they found a secret sauce. You know, Dervil O'Rourke will speak of the the, the, the coaching team that she had and, and how they found a really great structure and, and plan and which allowed her to get to where she went to. But that was very much so kind of self-driven and self, not necessarily self-resourced, but, you know, self-driven and self-architectured um, Whereas, and I think that's what's interesting about the stories of women's sports, elite women's sports at the moment, because, you know, it, it isn't a system-based one. It's often, it's quite innovative. Um, but then if we look to what it needs to look like below that from a pathways point of view, I, I think that the, the, the research that, that Sport Ireland produced at an adolescence girl's point of view, I think what that's shown is is true engaging with the with the teenagers and asking them their opinion of how they engage with sports and what their relationship is with sport because often you don't know what that is but those insights that came out was that they're they really like to be around their friends in sport their friend and their peer group is really important which mightn't be the case to boys but we don't know we've not actually asked or mm. their their relationship with social media and where they get information and who influences them is important so you know we shouldn't be asking kids to put away their phones technically like not in the middle of a session but like if they're on them you know that's kind of a, a reality of it there's a huge piece around juggling and um, their 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 exams and you know what's going on emotionally for them we know 12 to 18 young girls and your teenagers their bodies are changing their emotions are changing their social networks are changing all of these things are really really key so if we gain those insights and create an environment from a from a from a participation point of view around that to allow them to be there and to enjoy it and to feel listened to then they're going to stay in it if they stay in it they'll get better or if they and if they get better then we're talking about this kind of lifelong affair that we'll we'll all have with with sport which is can only be a positive thing absolutely and i suppose lynn as well kind of like on that point you know when we're speaking about women in sport obviously you know when you're talking about equality you're you're trying to make it so that things are not 
gendered and so that it's not like, you know, dividing it up as much as like, well, boys do this and girls do that. Because obviously, you know, it's 2021. We've moved on from that. It's more so about, like you said, the relationship with sport. But, you know, what I find so interesting is that point about actually asking, you know, young people about their own personal feelings. Because, you know, when I've been interviewing a lot of athletes, a lot of them, and I don't think, I'm not sure, maybe there is research into this, but a lot of them grew up with brothers. And like, I I grew up with a brother and it was a case of my parents threw me into every sport that my brother was doing and it was more so just to get me out of the house for that time and then it was kind of like well what stuck and I mean I think that's a really interesting point because you know I've spoken to many elite athletes who actually grew up with a brother and they were kind of that competitive nature came in because they were almost trying to beat the brother from a very young age but it's definitely worth noting that although some of the pillars of success that I know Sport Ireland talk about are about you know what being sporty means to you and stuff. I think sometimes it's good to almost take gender out of it and actually about the feeling that you get when you play sport. And it's not just about being a girl playing sport. Does that make sense? Yeah, look, this is a really interesting topic. And and I think we need loads of dialogue around this for us all to kind of tease out, like, what are we saying here? Um, I, I think there's a reality and you hear that dialogue as well. I reflect back on when I grew up and, you know, I was five years younger than my eldest brother and, you know, I loved him so much. I just wanted, I was so excited for him to play sport with me that I was that goalkeeper in the goals that used to just kick deflated basketballs at me. And I was like trying to catch them, you know, oh, of course, I love your brother, you know, and all of my cousins and you'd pay. And, you know, and fast forward, you just become a good sports person because of that. But I suppose what we're saying is we're trying to get girls to um, be good at sport as we know it. And sport as we know it is designed like and, and played and, and all of the, 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 the framework around it is it's kind of boys sports. But like, what if we listened and to these insights and, and, and adjusted sports that are the female specific ones? And we look to the WNBA, the, the women's basketball over in America, and they're quite progressive. And if they're fumbling around in the dark for years and, and they'll, they've, I think, tried to go at it a couple of times. But for example, and I'm not saying that this needs to happen across all sports, but for example, physically, they recognize that the ball size was a factor in their performance. And even though they're still six foot three girls, but just, you know, kind of uh, dimensions wise, and they changed the size of, of their basketball and, and that helped drive performance. So some of those insights, if we if we try and just understand those insights do we create a a, like a system and a framework around women's sports that just speaks specifically to some of the nuances in in female sports instead of just presuming it's just going to women's sports going to um uh work for men and one of the things that like i feel i most i'm most proud of within sport ireland what we have done is bring in a maternity policy you know if you think of it logically one of the biggest differences between men and women are are physical differences and women have babies and and men don't have babies and providing a, a maternity policy around female athletes just enables them to be able to do things specific to female athletes and enables them to come back. So it just kind of makes sense. So I think there are some of the examples that we're trying to kind of tease out and understand the dialogue between so that we can speak specifically to the female sports pathway that just those nuances that will be different to allow it to drive performance. And then, and I think if we looked at men's sports, it's evolving over time and we'd probably gain lots of insight into what's evolved for men's sports and tweak those things to enable more men to flow through the system. So yeah, great. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's 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 a delicate balance as well because obviously, you know, we need to 
recognize that men and women are different as well. So like really great points there. I suppose one thing that I wanted to ask your opinion on was uh, we were speaking to Nora last week when we recorded and it was just before the announcement of an incredible program that was launched by Sport Ireland to get more women involved in punditry and analysis. And like, you know, that's one of the things that for me growing up as somebody who loved sport, you know, I didn't see a huge amount of of women on panels or presenting. You know, you've got your Jackie Hurley's, of course, you've got the people who are out there championing it. But I mean, in terms of the gender balance, you know, it's not there. And I know that uh, this program is going to make a lot of young journalists really excited because uh, it's definitely something that wasn't around, you know, 12 years ago when I was in college. And it definitely wasn't something that I even saw as a career path. And not saying that, like, you know, people who are um, analysts and who are pundits are not fantastic at sports because a lot of them are ex-athletes. But uh, it's something as well that you can be a woman who wants to get into sport, but who is not necessarily going to be a professional athlete. There are careers in sport as well, which is something important that Sport Ireland are now hammering home. Yeah, look, that's a really good point. I think we all recognise that the the stage that we're at in this evolution of progress is... um, the, the, the visibility piece and the behavioral piece is really key for us to really kind of question like what is it that I like to watch and when I don't when I see something different i.e. A, a female presenter presenting for sport whatever like what is that that emerges for me that I kind of go oh what's what, what you know so that behavioral stuff that allows us to kind of question like why why do I not want to see that and therefore what do I like to see and why do I like to see just male male presenters and usually where that goes to if you allow it is like this ridiculous it's just that I like male presenters because that's what I'm used to and and like let's let's really grapple with this and um and just kind of embrace the change so that more people can can represent sport but so the visibility piece is is, is key like I spoke to somebody earlier on today about cricket in South Africa and you know there's there's more uh, cricket being broadcasted free to air for for women's cricket they're doing they're doing quite well internationally and he's like oh, I'm really starting to like women's cricket and it's just because it's easy like we saw when the Football World Cup was on our TVs free to air as well. You know, you had the old man at the end of the bar on the Friday when the football final was coming, when he was asking the TV to be turned off on the Monday two weeks previous. But by the Friday, he was like, "Okay, turn on the women's football just because it's easy to watch. The the teeth, you know, and if we look at, at, say, even cricket, for example, like they changed to T20s because they've that engaged audiences to want to watch it because it was easier to watch as opposed to the five dayers. So all of those things I think are important. We need to 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 access our our sport easily and when we do um and when we enjoy what we see we'll engage with it. When we engage with it we'll we'll accept it more and then we'll know more of the Neves and the Jackies and stuff like that and, and, and kind of see them as the new narrative. And I think that's really important. And I think it's a big job from a media and a visibility point of view. I think we've a lot of work to do and we're doing great work in it and all the twenty by twenty was great. But the initiative for Sport Ireland is trying to do that. It's trying to they recognise that it's very hard for girls to to learn those skills from a broadcasting point of view and to to allow their delivery from a from a sports tactics point of view to um, to understand how to deliver that. So we're just trying to get a couple more people out there that broadcasters and producers can um, 
can gain a relationship with it to get more females on um, on cameras. Absolutely. And it's about that. It's about kind of developing those relationships and also going into these jobs with confidence and, you know, not feeling that inherent tokenism that can sometimes be placed on you, you know, through no fault of your own. So great to see Sport Ireland advocating for that and really looking forward to seeing who comes out out of that as well. Um, so, Lynn, while I have you, I have to ask you a little bit about the new job. So the Springboks, of course, they've got you an unbelievable get uh, from their side. So the role itself, um, you know, I've seen it being compared as to what Anthony Eddy does in the IRFU. I mean, I have to ask, like, obviously I said in the intro, you're the most capped player for Irish women in rugby. I mean, the the wealth of experience that you're bringing to South Africa is, is massive for the game. And, you know, for Ireland and for a fan of Irish rugby, like, it does feel like a bit of a loss that you're taking all of that to another country. But I mean, for you, talk to us a little bit about that opportunity and why it was why it was right for you and for this time in your life as well. Yeah, I, I think um, I think there's a bit in that. You know, I think we've all experienced definitely as we grow older, just that bit of that synchronicity. Some things just kind of sync, um, and whether that's just you know me being romantic about it or or but it just seems to be a piece of that. And I think. My biggest attraction to the South African role has been the leadership that they're bringing towards their intent um, for change in the women's game. And just in this space, there's a lot of closed doors and, you know, you spend a lot of time kind of pushing them, which takes a lot of effort and, and it's still worth it. But it's it's just um, influences the impact. Whereas I think when, when you have got from a leadership point of view, people that want to open the doors because they want to make a change, I think that's that's huge. And therefore, I saw that opportunity. I was I, I wanted to learn from the leadership there as well. Um, and then what I'm finding is, yes, you have your kind of rugby knowledge globally, but I think from a women in sport point of view, I think what I'm finding just that lovely match or lovely blend um, that can really apply well to what needs to be done over there. And I think what I, what I mean by that is that the landscape of, of the of the girls that play rugby over there is 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 different to the reality for for men um and therefore the kind of gender inequality that we need to try and understand and tackle look looks different um so i think i i'm i'm excited about that like i what i want to do is try and support them and walk alongside them because you know i'm not south african and therefore i want to walk alongside them as opposed to <clears throat> kind of say what needs to be done because i don't know i'm not south african we have to kind of create it together <clears throat> But what we do want to do is create a performance environment where the girls can obviously perform at the top. And that's going to take a couple of years. But I, I, I do want to, like at a philosophical level, really try to understand um, what what's necessary to create in order for girls to, to, to play rugby and see rugby as a sport whereby they can grow as women. Um, which will enable them hopefully to perform form as players. So I think that kind of synchronicity of the the blend between the the rugby knowledge and the and the women in sport knowledge is just just good timing. And from a leadership point of view, hopefully we'll be able to make an impact because uh, they're open to it. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, like obviously, you know, having played for Ireland for for so long and to have uh, that amount of caps under your belt, I'm sure that you will always keep your eye on the Irish setup. I mean, when you look at the Irish team now and and the way that they're moving. Moving. And, and obviously, you know, it was quite heartbreaking news that the World Cup was postponed and, you know, they still need to qualify. And so I know that the team are working really hard. But uh, will you always have your eye on, on that? But of course, you know, you're, you're going to be working in a different setup now. So that's competitive. But how do you see the women's game in Ireland progressing in the future? 
Yeah, look, like I'll definitely keep an eye on it. There's a lot of some really great friends in there as well. Um, Claire Malloy is my is the godmother to my son. Um, so I like I I really want the girls to do well. I want Irish rugby, Irish women's rugby to do so well, and I believe that it can. Um, so I'll definitely keep an eye on it. We'll probably end up playing each other at some stage with the global competition calendar that was that was announced. Um, so yeah, look, I I think I think they they have a, a bright future. And there's, they'll have their own plan, and I'm sure they'll have their own plans in place as to what they need to do to, to progress on. And I'm sure you watched the match at the weekend. I have to ask, CJ Stander is heading back to South Africa. Do you think he's going to be snapped up as well by the Springboks, or do you see? Do you think he's going to get a job the minute he lands? I know. Do you know what? I thought about that straight away. And when you mentioned he had a daughter, I was like, oh, this could be really, really helpful. Uh, so yeah I'm sure he will I don't know you know I really feel for him I think everybody has kind of gone on this journey of kind of self-reflection during COVID around what's important to us and you know you heard loud and clear that his family and his family's happiness etc was um was key so I'm sure I I don't know what I don't know CJ at all and I'd be hopeful that he goes back to South Africa and he's he's involved there I'm sure that's the intention but yeah fingers crossed absolutely such a wealth of experience as well and finally Lynn just before I let you go you know the the whole point of what we're doing here with Sport Ireland is is about getting that messaging out um, and we're also trying to encourage the sustained involvement in sport for women so I suppose just some final words from you Lynn obviously somebody who you know we could talk to about your career for for the whole day but I suppose it's about getting out there and kind of reaching women who maybe have had experiences with sport but have maybe I mean due to innumerable things including the global pandemic have stepped away but it's about kind of encouraging them to get back involved and and so what would be your final message uh, to women out there who love sport who maybe haven't found the right one yet but are keen to get back involved? Yeah, I, I think this is a really important point because like none of us know what's ahead from a life point of view or a sporting point of view. And I know, know the next couple of years will be spent recovering from what's happened. You know, a year has passed now whereby we've truly engaged with sport. And as a result, our lives have adjusted to actually not have exercise in it to a degree, depending on how you found it. So there's some worrying pieces there about how do we provide, what, what do we do in sports going forward for the next couple of months to try and re-engage people with it because look when you play sport you want to play sport and you're going to go back to it quite easily but a lot of the people and the large majority of people haven't got that relationship with sport and as a result we really need to work hard to try and to, to try and provide exercise easily to them um, and, and link them up with the benefits of it etc but I think the opportunity through COVID from a female's point of view has been like if you think about what we're saying like we've said that the kind of structures and frameworks that how sport is provided in in our country across the world are generally kind of male specific and through COVID those platforms have gone so how we've found exercise in that time has been innovative it's been like what I like and what we've seen I think is lots more girls finding sports through going for a walk or a cycle with their mom or your dad or your your brother or your sister or or dancing to a, a video online or um, playing in the playground when they're open and stuff. And they're all ways to exercise. So I think, if anything, we learn lots from a female point of view. I think that we should have taken, captured this opportunity to say, OK, like if these are other versions of exercise that girls like in line with what they like, you know, it mightn't be as 
structured as what how we provide sport in your five-a-side football, your basketball. If girls are kind of saying in, in Ireland, the, the, the team culture in Ireland is so strong and great for the girls and boys who want to play teams, but what if you don't? And what if team sports don't speak to you or provide for you at an exercise level, but what if walking with your mom or your dad do or playing the, you know, dancing to the movie or whatever. So I think there's lots that we can learn from it. And I, I'd, I'd, I'd hope that we capture those opportunities and then the hybrid, the hybrid exam or the hybrid future that we provide is, is kind of that structured team environment, but with these extra learnings that we've, we've picked up through COVID and, and hopefully we can provide more exercise and sport for, for more of the population, girls and boys that will enable more people to get involved in the future. Absolutely, Lynn. Well, I mean, well said, well put. We're going to put all the details in the description box below for people if they want to find out more information about what's on offer from Sport Ireland as well. Lynn, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. I know we spoke about how you're going to be keeping an eye on Ireland set up. I guarantee we're going to be keeping an eye on what you do in South Africa as well. So it's been an absolute pleasure and thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. No, no problem, Neil. Great to talk to you. This week's episode of Girls With Goals is brought to you by Sport Ireland. For the next few weeks, we're celebrating some of Ireland's most influential women in sport and getting the message out there about participation, leadership and visibility. 